What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have the recording that I just did with Behind the Chair on their Facebook Live talking about the holiday rush and how to best prepare for the holidays. So I hope you enjoy this recording, and I hope you have an amazing day. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. Okay, you're live. Good morning, everyone. I am Steph, behind the chairs, editorial director, and I am so excited. We have two incredible guests here today with us to talk about the holiday rush and how to survive the busy season behind the chair. First up, I have Gina Bianca, aka I am Gina Bianca on Instagram. She is Russ's global director of hair color, owner of the Network Salon in Connecticut, owner of the Network Yoga, and an educator on basically everything from corrective color to those hard truths, that real business advice um, for stylists and everything in between. And of course, I have Mr. Matt Swinney, Russ's global creative director and co-owner of Evolution Salon in Minneapolis and the amazing, just award-winning stylist. I'm like, how many one-shots do you have now by this time, Matt? Not enough. Uh, Not enough. Never enough. Um, But we have so much to dive in and talk about today. Um, Let's kind of just kick this off, Gina and Matt, by giving a little bit of context of the salons that you own and run, where they're located, how many chairs, booth rental versus commission, just so we have a little bit of background going into this combo. Age before beauty? Ladies first. (laughs) Ladies first. (laughs) Oh, hi, everybody. My name is Gina. Uh, Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I know time is the biggest non-renewable resource and the most valuable resource. So I always appreciate when people spend their time taking a class with me. I'm so happy to be here with Matt. Thank you, Steph, for for facilitating all of this and behind the chair. So um, I own the Network Salon in Southington, Connecticut, and we are a 30-chair booth rental salon. We sell a lot of retail and we also have a color store within our salon. So my business model is a little bit different than Matt's. But what I do think is so amazing is that you, the viewer, have the opportunity to learn from me and Matt, which we both have different specialties, but a very similar mindset and uh, business experience. So I come from the booth, uh, booth rental angle and a colorist angle. And I know Matt comes from the employment-based, team-based angle and the styling and cutting angle. So you get such a well-rounded approach. So that's a little bit about me. I'll I'll shoot it over to Matt. Yeah, so um, I have a salon in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We have 10 chairs. It's about a 4,500 square foot salon, uh, 15 employees, and we are a commission-based salon. And we have been a commission-based salon uh, since the beginning. And we have owned this salon for 20 years uh, in the same location in Uptown in Minneapolis. Amazing. We're so happy to have both of you. And just like Gina said, it's great. We have booth rental, we have commission model, a little bit of everything. So before we really dive into this, we want everyone to know we are here to help you and give you advice. And most importantly, answer the biggest questions that you have about your business and the holiday season. So please feel encouraged to drop all your questions down in the comment box. Um, we'll be coming up on our screen and we'll be able to, um, answer them as they come through. So just keep that in mind. 
let's get this started. So at this point, we're after Thanksgiving. We are in the thick of the busy season. Can you give us each a rundown of what are some of the ways that you prepared your salon to maximize business during this time, whether it was scheduling or retail strategy or holiday specific price adjustments? Uh, um, Yeah. So for us, from the booth rental perspective, we put the biggest focus on retail. Uh, That is the revenue stream that we have control over. Uh, As a booth rental salon owner, I was saying before we started this, it's like a fixed income, right? When you have Mm -hmm. your booth rent, you're making booth rent. That's it. So we look at other revenue streams and the network has seven streams of revenue. So um, that's something that we look at is how can we make more revenue with our control? Um, And especially during the holidays, you know, people are buying gifts they are you know inclined to purchase more so we did a buy three get 20 percent off all of our retail and we also did a raffle so anyone who purchased a retail item got a raffle ticket to win i believe we have some amica hot tools and a dyson so we pulled for thanksgiving and we're going to pull for christmas to encourage them to purchase retail all of our artists receive commission on their retail and we worked really hard to communicate with the artists what's going on mm-hmm. because communication is everything. You could spend a lot of time on a marketing strategy, but if nobody knows what's going on, you know, that was a really big thing for us uh, from the booth rental perspective to look at those revenue streams and say, okay, hey, where's our opportunity here? And that's basically mm-hmm. where we spent the most of our time. And then of course, staffing, we made sure that we were overstaffed to make sure we accommodate any potential times, uh, evenings and weekends, especially where it could be busier. So we were overstaffed, had retail promotions going on and we overordered to make sure we had everything in stock. And we also Amazon price match, which I don't know many salons that do this and it's very difficult to Amazon price match. (laughs) So uh, we Amazon price match and we run sales. So we try to make it crazy not to buy retail from us and support our artists and our small business. So I love that point about the Amazon price match. Um, And I think oftentimes stylists sometimes feel a little bit uncomfortable selling retail without it sounding like a sales pitch. So how would you suggest that the stylist in your own salon or anyone out there that they organically communicate this Amazon price match and retail strategy across the board for the holidays. So one of the things is we had, we ask our artists, like I'm very close with all of our artists and what they need. And I talk to hairstylists all day, every day. And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest challenges I hear and the biggest pet peeves and resentments that hairstylists have is when the client takes a picture of what they're using. This is something that happens every single day behind the chair. And I said to one of my artists, I was like, why aren't you selling any retail? And she said, what's the point? They're just going to take a picture of it and buy it on Amazon. We started price matching that day. I was like, from this point going forward, if anyone whips out their phone, tell them there's no need to purchase on Amazon. We Amazon price match and it supports our small business. So I think having the confidence to put that dialogue and then just educating them. um, I'm sure Matt can interject a lot of uh, retail tips as well, but it's having that confidence leading with education, having it in stock, having the best Mm -hmm. price. Those are some really important things. And I know there's a lot of people who say that retail is out and to do affiliate, but mm-hmm. people don't share those links. It's a missed opportunity. You have the client in the chair. You might as well do your job to the best of your ability and give them a retail and, of course, a free book recommendation, which are the two things I think are doing your job. Check, check. They know when they come back. They know how to maintain their look. I think that's the icing on the cake. 
Yeah, I would totally agree. And like when we're getting ready for the busy holiday season and, you know, from a commission based um, side of things, we do a lot of the same same tools and use a lot of the same tools that Gina is doing, you know, in her rental base. That just shows that these two uh, avenues of business are not far apart. Like it's not like this, you know, apples to oranges kind of thing. It mm-hmm. might be like a Fuji apple to a Honeycrisp apple, you know, like they're not that different. So we are making sure that we're fully stocked with goods because we also offer retail incentives and do um, some some retail gift set type situation things for the holidays, which is extremely important. And then to leading up to the holiday season, we're very, very um very, very, how would the right word would be, uh, we encourage our staff to pre-book their clients for the holiday season, right? So we get those pre-bookings down, people get the times that they want to get, and we're not asking our staff to extend their hours during the holiday season. We're not asking people to push themselves to the edge like maybe we have done in the past because like Gina and myself were talking today, the whole landscape of holidays and clients coming into the salon seems to be changing um, and will be changing for the near future. It just doesn't seem like we need to do that extra grind through the holiday season because people are adjusting their booking times and adjusting when they're coming into the salon to get their hair done. People will come in the middle of the afternoon and take the afternoon off for their four-hour blonding service or whatever the case may be. Um, And we're also doing a lot of, for us in the salon, being that, you know, we are using uh, Rusk religiously in the salon is that two minute mask is just such a huge boost for the holiday season. We're just seeing like really awesome results from that. And the clients are walking out of the salon with this just like really fresh, beautiful hair. And it's just a nice little added treat to um, offer your clients as they walk through the door, because it is the little things, the little attentions to detail. And I know that Gina will agree with this, the little attentions to detail that separate you from the rest of the pack around you. Totally. Yeah. So just to backtrack, because you made a couple of really great points in there that I'd love for you both to elaborate on, kind of speaking to the landscape and how it's shifted and also your pre-booking strategy to kind of prevent that burnout, prevent that burnout from scheduling. What are your tips for that? And what, how are you seeing this landscape shifting, whether it's consumer or just the way that stylists are getting smarter about booking out their clients during the busy season? Well, I'm a huge pre-book person. I pre-book during the consultation. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's the best strategy, not waiting until the end or pushing it off on the front desk staff. Pre-booking during the consultation, it's like you would never cut or color someone's hair without putting a cape on them. Why would you do somebody's hair without guaranteeing they have the time and mm-hmm. date that they prefer. So I look at it as more of like a concierge, like, okay, before we get started, let me make sure that you get the day and time that you want, because I know that you love Mondays at five. Let me make sure you get that Monday at five. And it's more of a conversational, this is how my appointment goes. And I think like when you have a new guest, that's a new opportunity to show how you do business. It's mm-hmm. harder to transition with existing guests because it's like, it's like if you're hanging out with all your friends and then you show up and you're acting a little bit different. People are going to be like, what's going on with you? You almost have to tell them like, I've made some changes to my business. This is how it goes now. And you have to stick with it. So I recommend pre-booking during the consult. I think that that's like a number one tip. It works very, very well. If you don't get the pre-book before they get to the front desk, the guest care staff needs to be the last resort to get that pre-book. And then if you didn't get the pre-book, I would recommend reaching out to them within a few days to double check Mm -hmm. and make sure they have the appointment 
Otherwise, they're going to have to get your online booking link and book online and pick from the scraps. Right. That's so, a, yeah, that, that's a great point. And it's like it goes to selling retail is the same thing. You, you asked that question earlier, like, how do you make retail sales not sell, sound salesy? Yeah. So we're educating you on the benefit of pre-booking. You're getting the mm -hmm. time you want. We're making sure that you're taken care of. And it's the same thing with retail. We're educating you on the benefit of this product. It's not a sales pitch at that point. You are trying to help assist your client achieve mm -hmm. the best possible experience with you that they can have. And ultimately, that's the goal. And that's what drives people coming back to you. The level of service that you're offering for that time allotted in your chair. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And just even asking them, like, you know, when are we hanging out again? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's like when you're with a friend and it is the relationship business. Matt and I talked about this on stage at the BTC show quite a bit. We're in the relationship business and you don't need a billion friends. How many friends, how many clients do you really need to be successful uh, and really thinking about those relationships and they don't have to be like this weird relationship where you have to discount them or treat them differently, but mm -hmm. they're your client book, you don't need a million people to make a great business. And just to circle back to what you had asked Steph about the landscape of the industry in the holidays, I love that mm -hmm. this is called the holiday rush. I don't feel very rushed. I don't think a lot of stylists feel crazy rushed anymore because over the past like five years, when the industry started really talking about pricing and boundaries and scheduling and like all of those things, I feel like as an industry, we're elevating to more of a professional service provider and we're mm -hmm. doing the things that we need to make it less of a rush, less of a squeeze and more of just business as usual. I, I predict stylists taking the holidays off in the future. I predict stylists taking the entire week of Thanksgiving off. I really do predict that as our industry elevates and moves forward as professional service providers, you're going to get all of those clients in because you don't need a million to make ends meet anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be as crazy. What do you think, Matt? I totally agree with you. And I think that the client landscape is changing too. Like clients are understanding this and client, the need to have your hair done for Mother's Day, Easter, Hanukkah, Christmas, uh, you know, all of these different holidays is becoming less because A, they're going longer between services like you and I were talking about stuff earlier. They're getting, mm -hmm. these services are getting a little bit longevity and also they're adjusting their schedules because of what we have been teaching them, just like Gina said, and like what we've been exposing them to is that we are elevating the industry and we're elevating the service that they have. And so they realize that it is not our job to simply just continually adjust around their schedule, but they have to adjust around our schedule as well. You know, a, a tattoo artist doesn't go through a Christmas rush. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. some of these services that are like similar to what we do, they don't have that holiday rush. And, and I think that it's, a, it's important for us to understand as stylists that you don't want to crush yourself for the holidays and then just be, you know, a pile afterwards, right? Like mm -hmm. business as usual. And if you work on your pre-booking, like Gina was talking about earlier, if you work on pre-booking, that will be set. And that will also take care of January as well. So you will not have a January lull. You won't have a February lull, but you will be steady Eddie throughout. And your books will be curated how you like them to be and your days will look like how you like them to be, which ultimately keeps you from burning out in the end. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I like we think of the holiday rush and the holiday as a time of making the most money. What if year round 
you're making, like he said, you're steady at it. You're making that money and you're not relying on one busy quarter to carry you through. Mm -hmm. There was and a I good think question we, that came up on the screen. Did you see that? Yeah, I just saw two and they were both great. This one, what is your best advice for stylists to break away from that traditional rush mindset? And then the one a while back that I want to make sure we get answered as well was about having a card on file for clients. And I think a lot of these kind of speak to setting those boundaries, creating that like mindset and that system of like, this is a professional service and here, here are our lines and like, here are our processes and like what we hold our clients accountable for. So I would love if both of you could kind of speak to that, especially during the holiday season, because we know if there's a no show or cancellation, I mean, I guess always that's just money lost. That's time that could be spent performing a service for a client and making, making that revenue in that time. Let's start with the holiday rush question and then go to the card question. Yeah. Yeah. Hit it, Gina. I know you've got a good answer. What was your advice for stylists to break away from the traditional holiday rush mindset? And I think it just goes for more, less of a scarcity mindset and more of an abundance mindset. I feel like the industry in general is moving in that direction. Social media doesn't help because it always feels like people are doing more than you. But I think just setting the boundaries with that and like limit yourself to what you're taking in and what you're mm -hmm. judging yourself on and creating a schedule that works for you. You know, if you're really good in the morning, do your complicated services that require you to be your best in the morning. If you're really good in the evening, you know, if you have a hard time waking up, like it doesn't mean you have to be in at 9 a.m. every day, creating mm -hmm. a schedule. And I think salon owners really need to be flexible with their hairstylists, especially if they're in demand. Like if my stylist is 85, 90% booked and I'm an employment-based uh, salon owner, I'm going to say, here's 40 hours, put them wherever you want, just fill them. Right. So giving that flexibility. So I think like when you have the freedom of knowing that you like your schedule, like when you like your schedule and your schedule works for you, like I'm a night owl when mm -hmm. I have to come in really early, I do much better in the afternoon, you know, so looking at your schedule, having a schedule that really works for you. Um, having time standards and pricing that works really well for you, like being priced correctly, not feeling like you have to squeeze someone in to pay your bills. That's a huge thing. So it's a lot of fundamentals that have to be checked off to get to this. And it doesn't take years and years of work. It could really take an afternoon and then a couple of, uh, you know, policy changes. So mm -hmm. I, I think that it really depends um, how to break from that mindset. I think it takes a little bit of time, but not as much time. And it's not a huge mountain to climb. It's really deciding what you want, setting the standards of what you want to do. Um, I could do a whole live on this. <laughs> so I don't want to keep talking, <laughs> yeah. but go ahead, Matt. What do you think? Well, I'm going to say that it's ultimately a choice. Like if you're looking for us to the answer on how to get yourself out of that mindset, we can't do that for you. Like it simply comes down to you making the choice that I am no longer going to do this and I'm going to book my days properly and I'm going to stick to the hours that I have and I'm not going to mm -hmm. put people in. Like every day you have a choice. And the choice only belongs to you. It doesn't belong to anybody else. And uh, it's pretty much is truly that simple. Um, although simple can be hard, it is that simple. And then if you're somebody who's like, okay, like we charge by the salon, we charge hourly. Our, our, our stylists charge hourly. So let's say you have an hourly rate of $200 an hour and you have client Sally and Sally's like, 
I really, really need my hair done. I know you don't work on Saturdays. Will you come in on Saturday for me? Okay, Sally, I will come in on Saturday, but it's hour and a half rate because I'm coming in on my day off. So if I'm going above and beyond and I feel like I want to adjust my rate for that service and I am happy to do so, then Mm -hmm. I say go for it because it's ultimately not going to affect your mood. It's ultimately going to make you a happier human because you made that choice and you feel like your time off, you're getting the value for that time that you're working. And I think that that's something that's uh, really important. And we absolutely have cards on file for everybody. And if you don't show up for your appointment, our cancellation policy is such that if you miss your appointment, you are going to be charged for the appointment that you missed. Now, if it's an quote unquote, you know, emergency and like maybe a child needed to be picked up from school because they were sick or you got in a car accident, you get charged, but that charge goes to your next appointment. Okay. So, so, so we will uh, work with people on that. But if you just straight no show somebody, you're going to get charged for your appointment. And I think that that's only fair. Even restaurants are doing that at this point, right? Like most, mm-hmm. the landscape of that whole world has changed and I think is primarily accepted. And if it, if it's not accepted by the client, then that is just not a client. Like Gina says, you have to build relationship with your boundaries because that is a healthy relationship. And that is a boundary that you have to have uh, met within your relationship. Totally. I love that, uh, Matt. I, I totally agree with you. I would like to talk about no-shows because yes. my perspective on no-shows is that they shouldn't happen. Um, how does a no-show really happen? Uh, who's most likely to no-show? The person most li- likely to no-show is a new client new client booked with no credit card on file. And, you know, they, you're sitting in the salon, you're waiting for them to come. 15 minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by. And what, you're in the break room, mad. I'm getting no-showed. I'm getting no-showed. I hear it all the time. I'm getting no-showed. I'm like, okay, well, did you call them? No. It's like, what is your confirmation system? If I have three hours blocked out for somebody and there's no check mark and I haven't heard from them and they're not responding, that appointment is canceled. Like if you can't respond to me and let me know that you're coming via my automated system and if I'm nice enough to call you and confirm or text you and confirm and you can't reach out to me and it's within 24 hours, that appointment is getting canceled and I'm putting somebody else there or making different plans. You know, it's like if you're going to go hang out with someone after work and you haven't heard from them and you're about to leave and go meet them, like you're not just going to go there without confirmation, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that we as artists need to be more protective of our books. I do agree with everyone having a card on file. Um, I do agree with a cancellation policy and a no-show policy or a last-minute policy, but I would do everything you can to not let the no-show happen. Instead of letting it happen to you and making a, a portion of it, I would recommend being proactive. And if you're in looking at your confirmation system, and if you did have a no-show or a last-minute cancellation for Monday at five, I keep saying Monday at five; it's my time slot, I guess. <laughs> but if you have someone cancel Monday at five, call whoever's next Monday at five and move them up, and then it gives you another week to fill the next Monday at five. So that's the strategy I would use to fill the last-minute openings. But I would say do your best. To not let your books happen to you. Control your books. And if somebody is not checked off, like a lot of us use the automated where they can click C to confirm. 
if they didn't confirm, reach out to them. And if you don't hear from them, let them know your appointment has been canceled. You know, you don't have to wait around to get no show. There is no reason that should be on your books if it's not guaranteed. I totally agree to that. That Jenga of moving the client up a week, because there's so many of those clients that if you are actually pre-booking your clients, end up maybe one, two, three weeks past when they actually really want to be there. And you know that because you've had these conversations with them if you're doing it properly. You can move them up to the week that they desire. And like Gina said, it gives you that more time to fill that spot on the back end. And it just really is a genius way to kind of Jenga out your schedule to maximize uh, the value of your day. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice and really speaks to the stylist that is not just sitting in the break room like, oh, no, Mm -hmm. my client didn't show up and is proactively filling that cancellation and making back that revenue and investing in that other relationship. Yeah. And Gina said something earlier I forgot to touch on that I really wanted to. And it, because we come from a different world, right? She comes mm-hmm. from that world of booth rental. I come from that world of commission base. So her stylists have an easier, easier way to kind of like set their schedule to make it great for them. And I'm telling you, as a, as a commission-based salon owner, when we started sitting down with our stylists, asking them what their optimal schedule for them is, mm-hmm. listen to them started booking their schedule to what makes it optimum for them. The level of like just happiness inside of them, which ultimately showed in the work that they were doing and their their communication, their action with their clients completely changed, which allowed us to go from a normal pricing structure to our hourly pricing structure, which was, you know, for some people quite a high change. They didn't lose clients because of how they were handling the situation because they were so happy with the schedule that they had curated for themselves within a commission-based salon. So as a commission-based salon owner, it's very important that you start evolving your your thought process and the way that you work with the stylist to maximizing their time behind the chair. Some people work great with three 12-hour days and the rest off. Some people want to work five-hour days, six days a week. Like It's okay to work with the stylist in determining what's going to give maximum value to them, which ultimately gives maximum value to you as the salon owner. And it's going to build that longevity and the relationship 100%. with your stylist. They're, if your stylist 100%. does get the opportunity to leave and go to a different salon, they're going to say, it's crazy for me to leave here. Like, Look at my schedule. Look what I'm charging. Look at the team around me. You know, the owners care about me. I have everything that I need. You know, you have to think of what can I do to make it crazy for them to leave? And I think that moving forward, the scheduling is front and center for people. Huge, 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 huge. Do either of you want to share anything else about scheduling? Otherwise, I want to touch on another subject, but I want to make sure that you guys are able to to give any advice that you want to on scheduling. I feel like that was like so, so much and so impactful and amazing. I think we can um, move on. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about next. retail. We've talked about scheduling. I'm like, we're going to do it all on this call. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, I want to talk about add-ons and what add-ons really matter, what add-ons are really impactful, um, whether it's a holiday season or just any busy scheduling. What are those shorter services or time savers that can help you boost your ticket without adding a big chunk of time onto your overall appointment? Uh, I have two ideas for that. Like from a colorist perspective, I think that really 
trying to shorten the length of your surfaces services to make them a little bit more express is going to work much better for your clients. So I use uh, rusk 10 minute color. I love how Matt said we use rusk religiously. I love the <laughs> rusk 10 minute color. Uh, I've been using that and I've been using like almost exclusively the express gloss on everybody because it, it has been so much faster and you still get 25 washes. And even though there's four shades, I've found mostly everything I need from the shades, uh, especially because I do a lot of high lifting and a lot of light blondes. So there's just a lot you could do with those. Of course, I use the deep shine gloss as well, but the quicker glosses have been a lifesaver. The two minute mask has been a lifesaver because you can get so much more done in a shorter period of time and you can build those tickets. Um, another thing I would love to recommend is we did, I owned an employee base salon for five years. And one of the biggest ways we made money was with an add-on service. It's called seasonal favorites. And I got this idea from Capital Grill it's a steakhouse cool. and yeah. they brought these menus over and you could have nine pours of wine for $35. It was nine like heavy tastes of nine different seasonal wines, $35. And I remember sitting there and I looked around at the restaurant at how big the restaurant was and how many people were there. And I was like, they just increased the service ticket from every single one of these tables, $70 with that menu. So we created a menu that was seasonal favorites. It included curls, express treatment, and then a take home of something. So, you know, you could give them a two minute mask to, you can open the two minute mask, use it on them. They get to take it home with them and give them curls and figure out the pricing on that for X amount of dollars and add that on to every single guest and increase your service ticket. If you do the math, you can increase your service ticket by thousands of dollars over extended periods of time. So I highly recommend having some kind of strategy for add-ons, but you can never go wrong with the two minute mask. So then do you always have seasonal favorites year round and just kind of shift per season or is it specifically for the holiday? With or my employee based salon, we did. We had beautiful really service cool. menus. Yeah. We had seasonal favorites and it changed every season and we had a seasonal coffee. This was a, this was circa 2014 to 2019. So we were doing it then as a booth rental salon owner. I don't have yeah. to do that much work now, <laughs> but I'm sure uh, salon owners, like just thinking about ways to set your stylist up to win to close the sale of an add-on. All of the stuff that we use is amazing and our guests just need a reason to get it. Yeah. Yep. I love that because it makes the conversation from add-on to retail so much more organic and seamless. Because yeah. Yeah, you're giving the benefits. Right. It's all about just mm -hmm. what are the benefits? It's the same when we're doing any kind of styling, you know, event style or whatever during the holiday seasons, because you get a lot of them. You know, if you if we offer the two minute mask plus an express gloss, we're we're raising the time on the ticket by maybe six minutes, max seven minutes. So ultimately, it doesn't take that much time to achieve maximum value. Um, of your ticket and maximum value of the service for the client. And I think that that's really important because most of the time when you get somebody coming in the salon who's got blonde hair, something along those lines, they're going to say, yeah, a fresh tone would be great to walk into this party tonight, right? Some fresh glaze, have them feeling their best. It's kind of like, it just simply goes back to what Gina's speaking about earlier and I was speaking about earlier. It's that kind of service that we're giving 
now as stylists, elevating the industry, elevating the time you have with your client behind the chair. And see, I took notes for your seasonal favorites. <laughs> I'll send yeah, you my menu, you. Matt. You I took that one. I'm, I'm going to do that. That was a great idea. I I'm saw you really starting to write idea. something down yeah. after like, there was I'm like a light bulb that went on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not forgetting that at all. I got to send you my old school menus. They were so good. Let's go. Let's Your go. big, fat, laminated menus that we had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Me I'm just like wanting me. to be Capital Grill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, an amazing reference, Gina. Um, and before we look ahead at 2023, which I seriously cannot believe is about a month away already. I'm like, where did this year go? Um, what is your best advice to a stylist who are struggling to book clients right now during the holiday rush. Any advice for them to get those last minute bookings? We have that final three week stretch where they could still make something out of it. Do you want me to start, Gina? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, number one, like Gina and I were speaking about this earlier, is that if your books are sparse, and she talked about it earlier with the mm -hmm. cancellations and things, move some of those clients up. Tighten up the beginning week, tighten up the second week, and give yourself time to book the last part of the week, right? Or the last couple weeks. And so I think condensing that schedule forward and opening up space on the back end is really going to help you then take the time it needs to get new bodies or uh, reach some of your cl clients that you maybe haven't seen and get them in the chair as well uh, prior to the holiday service. But also, if you're not as booked as you have been over the previous years, like I don't know if it's a big sweat because I really do believe that landscape of people coming in ultimately is currently in the thick of changing. And so um, probably more noticeable this year, you know, than last year. And I think that domino is just going to keep on on falling. Mm -hmm. Totally. And if you're a little bit slower right now, I would use the opportunity to look at your marketing and create a strategy for the new year. So a couple of different things. Um, and I'm going to go back to, you know, my employee based salon. I'm going to go back to that because as a style, it's almost like you're one big stylist and you're promoting all of these other stylists. So the marketing strategy is huge when you're trying to fill the books of 20 people. Right. So with booth rental, I don't really have to fill their books. They're filling their own books and it's not my responsibility. But I think for the person listening on this, if you are a little bit slower and you need um, some strategies, something that we did uh, that worked really well for us is we gave a little postcard. We made them on Vistaprint. And some people may not like this idea of discounting, but uh, for my new stylist who are 50% booked, I did 100 off of 300. And it was valid January to February only. They could get a big discount on their new year transformation. And the $300 it was hard to build a $300 ticket back then. You know, we weren't charging that much. So we were adding on treatments, curls, uh, all different things, like little add-on services that they could, you know, get a discount on it, but it guaranteed their books would be full where the services were less profitable. But the biggest waste of money in a salon is product waste and payroll. Like when there's a high payroll and the our artist is not booked, if the artist is 50% booked, that is a 40% loss. 
So making sure those hours are booked. So guaranteeing those future appointments with pre-book um, and giving the guests something to look forward to. I think that that's really, really good. But if you have a last minute opening now, I say post it. I think that, you know, the people who can't get in with their stylist who waited to the last minute, you will have the opportunity to pick up some stragglers and show them why you're an amazing stylist and pre-book them, right? So I think like instead of posting once, remembering that in this day and age, it takes 15 to 16 to 20 times for someone to see something for them to register. If you're watching Yellowstone, how many commercials do you see of the same thing over and over and over? You see the same commercial six times through the show. Once isn't enough. So I think posting on your stories, a lineup of your openings, and then crossing them out every time they fill to show the demand I think that those strategies do work to pick up stragglers, but really thinking of the overall marketing strategy, what you're doing seasonally mm -hmm. and what you're doing daily to get people excited about their next, booked for their next, and continuously building that clientele. And it might not always be the color and cut that you pull from those posts, but if you're posting you know, styles that, you know, quick styles that you can do for a holiday event it can be very helpful because if you get that client in who maybe can't see their normal stylist for a style to go to a party, you get them in, you, you're giving them the style, you start talking to them about their hair, that client mm -hmm. actually might become your client for the cut and the color portion as well of their service. So I think posting styles never hurts during this type of year to help build your book. Yeah, that is yeah. a really good point, Matt, because people need that. And a lot of hairstylists who do cuts and colors don't have the time to squeeze, squeeze yeah. those in. So it's a really good opportunity. I think that's a really good advice. Yeah, I think that's great, too. And I think it also speaks to the huge influx of blowout requests that we've seen in the last year that we hadn't seen prior. People want rollers in their hair. They want that bouncy face framing blowout and they're willing to pay for it. So Maybe you can't book that cut or color, but you get them in for that introductory service and get talking to them and start building that relationship with them. Um, and something I, I want to get back to 2023, but something that the three of us spoke about before this call started that I think is really an important touch point is the idea of the business. We're in the business of relationship building. And I'd love for you to just speak to that really quickly um, because I thought that was so important and powerful. Well, I think with relationships, there's healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships. And a lot of stylists are in an unhealthy relationship with their clients. They're in a relationship where the client's been seeing them since hair school. So they're terrified to raise their prices because they feel like the relationship only goes one way. And I think that those are really unhealthy codependent relationships. And I think we need to focus on healthy relationships. And when I say codependent, mm -hmm. it means I have to hurt myself in order for you to like me. I need to give you a discount in order for you to continue seeing me. That's an unhealthy, toxic relationship. It's like I have to pay for everything in order for you to hang out with me. It's not healthy. So you need to look at the unhealthy relationships that you have and do your best to repair them or let them go and focus on building healthy relationships. And those healthy relationships are based on respect and healthy boundaries. And I know boundaries is a super big buzzword. We've, we've said it probably 15 times on this call, but it's really important to say like, my boundaries are my pricing and my schedule. 
you know, my, my schedule is Monday through Friday from nine to five. When you ask me to do your hair at 6 PM and I'm not going to get home until midnight, I can't do that. The answer is no. And if you're going to leave me over that, you were never meant to be on my books anyway. Uh, if you want to go outside of your boundaries for a price, that's different. Like Matt was saying, but I think really focusing on healthy relationships with your clients and it all starts mm -hmm. with having the right client. So some of us might need to go through a little detox. Some of us have to look at our shortcomings and say, okay, I continually do this for J Jane and I need to really look at this and I need to remedy this. And you have to kind of break, you have to be courageous about it. Courage means you're scared and you do it anyway. So doing everything with courage and kindness and, and you know, really putting yourself first, you're going to really start to feel better. And as you feel better, you're going to attract better people into your life. So it, it happens over time. But if you're in a, a whirlwind of, you know, resentment with your clientele, it's really important to start looking at that and building healthy relationships. So I'll pass it to Matt for what he thinks as well. And I think ultimately you have to build healthy relationship with yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to the relationship that you have with yourself. And so um, I would recommend, you know, taking that time and figuring out what it is, you know, what your schedule want, you want, what kind of schedule do you want? How much money do you want to make? What does that look like? Um, what do you need to do to achieve that? How do you need to adjust some of the things that you're doing to achieve that? Or how do you need to scale back from other things that are affecting the actual final outcome of what it is you truly want to achieve? Because it's not about what you want now. It's about what you want long term, right? And we get, we get so focused on what we want now. But ultimately, doing what we want now a lot of times doesn't benefit what it is we really want long term. And so I think separating those two and having that healthy relationship with yourself and some hard mirror conversations with yourself will set you up for, you know, a better place for the following years to come within the industry that you've chosen to work in. Yeah. And it takes two to make a healthy relationship. So what Matt said is literally perfect. It's not always your clients that are the problem. You know, <laughs> it's true. You have to be a good part of that relationship and, and people need to know how to communicate with you, what your boundaries are, what your schedule is. If people don't know, they're just going to go past it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I honestly think that really speaks to the last question that I want to ask both of you. And um, before I jump into that, everyone that's watching live, this is your time. We have a few minutes until we wrap please ask any questions that you have for Gina or Matt. Uh, they want to answer them for you. But my last question I want to leave you both with is how can stylists revamp their books to focus on the services they really want to excel in? And I do think both of you have touched on that just throughout this conversation. But if there are any key pieces of advice that you'd like to share, just prep preparing for 2023, looking ahead. Yeah, Matt, I'll let you start with this one because we loved this question. <laughs> yeah, this is a great question. And, and you know, I've been, Steph, I've been doing this probably since, you know, I don't know, maybe, well, you were born, but you might have been in middle school, I think, when I started <laughs> doing hair. So when I first started doing hair, everything was about highlights to the base. I want highlights to the base. To the skull. It, yeah, I want them coming the out of my skull. Coming, I want them coming out of the back of my eyeballs, right? And... <laughs> If they weren't doing that, they would be back the very next day for you to put more highlights in that went to the base, right? And so why I'm telling that story is that now that's not the trend of mm -hmm. hair 
parse, right? You're looking at more root melts and all these different things that are happening that are, highlights are dro uh, drug down a little bit, more of a balayage look. My point is hair is cyclical. So if you focus in and you narrow in on just one part of our industry, what happens when the industry shifts? What happens when the demand for hair shifts? Are you going to niche yourself out of a job, right? Like if you're not 80 to 90% booked with that type of clientele, Gina's going to touch on this later, then you need to continue working and mastering the craft, not a portion of the craft. So that when the time comes, when things evolve and trends evolve, you're going to pick up on that very next section. And you're going to be able to move kind of freely without any jumps in the road inside your income, inside your clientele and things of that nature. Because we see a lot of things about people not wanting to do retouches and not wanting to do all these things anymore. But the reality is you will get older, as will your clientele. So they might not have great hair now, but they will. And so are you not going to take care of those people that have been loyal to you for so long? All of a sudden because you don't do great retouches? Like I think this concept of just narrowing into one field unless you do what Gina does because it covers the entire color gamut, mm -hmm. then you are really backing yourself into a dangerous, dangerous corner. So that would be my advice is make sure that you're well-rounded behind the chair so that when things change, you are able to pivot with the times. Totally. If you're going to specialize in something, specialize in correction because you'll get better mm -hmm. and better and better at everything. Um, when I was in beauty school, I wanted to specialize in haircutting. No way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would turn colors away because I was so, I didn't want to do them. I wanted to be Krista Dupree and DJ Muldoon and all of these people who were coming to my school doing these cool, crazy haircuts. And that's what I thought hairstyling was. So that's what I wanted to specialize in. And if I had blocked myself off to that, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I think specializing is a wonderful thing when the demand is there. But I wouldn't close myself off completely if I had open time. So I think like the really important like tough love thing is if you're not getting nonstop requests for whatever the service is you want to specialize in, then you're not entitled to only do that service. You can do that. Like you can say, I only do extensions, but I would only do that if the phone is ringing off the hook for extensions. I go like this when it's really like this, the phone is ringing. Off the hook. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're yeah. getting tons of inquiries for extensions that you can't keep up, it's kind of crazy not to specialize in what you're most in demand for. But I'm telling you right now, it's not that common to have that. The average everyday hairstylist is not getting their phone blown up for one service. They have a big clientele that has a lot of different needs that need to be met. So I think that what we see online is sometimes, you know, a little bit misleading and we may want this thing in the future. And that is amazing to have a goal, but I don't block yourself in and say no. Like when people say, I only want to do this, but, and they refuse to do it. It's like money's knocking and you're saying, I usually do something a little bit more animated, but I'll be more professional on this call. But money's knocking and you're saying, go away. You know what I mean? And I don't think that that's uh, smart. I think that if the phone is ringing off the hook for your specialized service, that's one thing. If you're 80 to 90% booked, that's one thing. But if you're brand new in the industry and you're dead set on specializing, I would give yourself 10 
10 years of doing it all and putting out there the services you love to do the most because your content is your marketing. Put out those services that you want to do. And if you're good, the phone will start ringing for them. But it takes that time to really put it out there, what you're good at, and get people aware that you do that. That's why like people call me from all over the U.S. for a correction because that's what I put out mm-hmm. is correction. I don't put out a balayage. No one's calling me for a balayage. People will call me for a correction because I do long, crazy YouTube videos on correction. So that demand is there. That doesn't happen overnight. So don't box yourself in and don't feel entitled to have something like that. It's not going to work out for you. It's a unicorn one, one in a million person that makes it look really easy and makes the rest of us feel like, what am I doing wrong? But it's really the grind and serving your customers to what they need. So um, I really think like to do the services you want to do, put out the content. And if you don't have the content, do models. Yeah, and know what you're consuming, right? Like, we, like Gina said it. Like, it's, they show people show it on Instagram, and they say this is what I do, and this is all what I do. But you know, something can be wrapped very healthy, but be unhealthy on the inside, if you know what I'm saying. And so, you have to know: is that person actually busy? Do they have like an eighty to ninety percent full book? Is their business thriving, or is this just, you know, stuff going out there because they can make a good video and? you know, they have a great model. Like you have to know the source of what it is you're consuming, right? We worry about that in food all the time. Like people want to know single origin coffee and single source meat and all these different things, you know, well, we should really worry about the source of what we take in here, most importantly, and then here, you know, in the body secondly. And so understand where you're getting your information from, understand the background of where the information is coming from so that you truly know if that information is going to help you be more successful or if that is actually putting you into a hole that you may not be able to get out of. Yeah, that's, that's the niche really comes great advice. Sorry, yeah. Gina. No, again. no, no, you're good. The niche comes from demand. Like, exactly what Matt said. Like you have to like really think about where you're taking in this information from. And instead of saying, I want to be like this person, build your demand, build your relationships, and you will have more freedom to do whatever you want to do. So start with the basics, right? It's like building a house. You both really just knocked this out of the park. Everyone watching, you can come back to our Facebook, our YouTube I think it's going to be on Gina's podcast. Um, Follow them on Instagram. Look at Matt and Gina's handles are right up here on the screen. All this information was just so helpful. And I just want to thank both of you and Rusk for um, taking the time today to talk and just give this really real, honest advice that stylists and salon owners can just take right away and start implementing to maximize their business. Totally. And I want to just like plug the Rusk education we've been doing. Matt and I have been working really hard to help Rusk build some amazing education for you all. So check out the Rusk back room, Rusk Pro. We have so much amazing education, including the color specialist program we just built. You can get certified in all of Rusk's hair color within a couple of hours. It's super quick and you can get a certificate 
and get everything you need to get started. So I recommend that so you can start really trying all of the amazing tools they have to offer because I feel they have the best express tools to help you make these services quicker, more efficient, and more impactful for your clients. And it's free. All free, baby. And you get to see and me I'm and Matt's beautiful faces. And I'm still <laughs> and I'm still tanner than you, Gina. Yo, you I am so pale right now. <laughs> I like I was embarrassed to come on this call. Well, at least you guys are both